This interview was recorded February 5th, 2021. Since that time, many developments have been reported. Among them, reports of unjust incarceration and maltreatment during incarceration of the protesters have taken center stage. Awareness is the first step to creating change. And as we approach the seventh month in the Indian farmers protest, it's important to keep talking about the issues as they continue to develop. Echoes Media encourages you to research and get involved in whatever way you can. With the understanding that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, we firmly view this as part of our world citizen responsibility. Please check the episode notes to find Instagram accounts that continue to provide current and up-to-date information on this developing event. Okay, so we are here for our first episode of On Air With of the season. I'm super excited. I feel like I've been away from this for a very long time. It's been a couple months. Um, and what better way to kick off the first episode of season three for On Air With? Um, oh, that's a lie. Season two On Air With. Everything has its own. We just keep adding. Season two On Air With with Mandish, my friend, my sister from another mister. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of want to jump right into this because I know this is something you are super passionate about, um, just from following you, of course, on Instagram. So first, why don't you introduce who you are, uh, what you do, where you live, and then we'll jump into the topic itself. Uh, sure. So hi, everybody. My name is Mandish, like Janelle said. I am from Sydney, Australia, but uh, I'm also Indian. And uh, I am a textile and fashion designer um, slash everything involved in that area. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I work a lot with textile artisans um, and uh, I love traveling. I've lived in a lot of different countries just working with textile artisans, mainly India and Peru. So, and now I'm back in Sydney because of thanks COVID <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> All right. Lives were changed. It's for sure. Uh, we could do a whole other podcast on your COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a whole other event. I could write uh, an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, you kind of already introduced us to your connection um, to India. Tell us a little bit more about like what ties your heart to India. I know you said you were Indian, but like what ties you to to the country? Uh, well, definitely my family, for one. Um, I was born there, um, though my family moved to Australia when I was really young, when I was six years old. So um, I don't have a lot of memories of my infancy in India, but, uh, you know, what I had a major life period in India, which was in my, <clears throat> um, in my 20s and, you know, not that far ago, really. Um, I actually moved there on a whim to work with textile artisans. And uh, I stayed there for two and a half years, living in Delhi and interacting with the people, the culture, you know, and uh, which is actually a very different experience to what my family is and uh, kind of not related 
to my family history at all. So I got to have a really unique experience in that regard because uh, I did it on my own and I just went there for my work. I didn't go there for my family. And uh, so, yeah, I got... I got a really different experience out of that. And I think that's where really my heart is tied because for me, my love, you know, my like is textiles. And uh, so I got to experience India from that perspective. And, uh, you know, whereas I saw a lot of the daily problems where, you know, where things that just made me mad, like on, a second by second basis <laughs> but uh, also I came back and you know it's been like nearly two years since I left India now and uh, I don't really remember the bad things as much anymore I just remember the really good things and my love for textiles and uh, the nostalgia of working with artisans so for me that's where my heart is. Lovely so Okay, so we're tackling the, uh, the, the topic of the protests um, that are happening currently in India. And uh, I don't know that a lot of people necessarily, if, if I'm being honest with you, um, I don't know that I would have seen it. I, you're the person I saw it from. I think a few other people after that maybe posted, I guess reposted the Rihanna post. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't know. And so um, for, the, for the listeners who aren't familiar, I know that this protest, uh, this event has two parts. There's the protest and then there's also the response to, to the protest, the response by the government. But before we look at those things, can you maybe outline a little bit of what's led to this? Um, what's yeah. what's really this what is this protest about yeah so um short story is that uh, the farmers and uh, the farm laborers in india are protesting these new bills that the government is introducing which uh, pretty much want to take away the minimum pricing for their crops and uh, give they yeah, they pretty much want to give uh, the um, the handles to the big corporates where the big corporates just uh, deal with the farmers directly. Um, there's no there's no regulations protecting the farmers and their crops. And so the farmers are protesting that bill because uh, it essentially means that the corporates can do whatever they want. Um, so they can buy the crops at whatever price they want. Um, the farmers won't get a say in it. And uh, it's a bit complicated. And uh, honestly, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on the matter. So this is just my understanding of it. And I think uh, the problem really lies in the fact that India isn't exactly a country that has a good infrastructure in place to allow these bills to work in like the good way that the government thinks that they're going to work. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people actually would say that these bills are a great idea because it's a modern way of doing things. And uh, every other country in the world, well, not every other country, but most other countries in the world actually follow the same rules like that. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are kind of, they're kind of split on the on the bill 
which is okay, which is fine. But uh, the farmers are really adamant that uh, this is going to be the like in detrimental to their um, livelihoods, which in a way, yes, it is, that is true. So that's what the protests are about. And uh, so that's the beginning. And uh, this began like in almost August of 2020, okay. where the farmers started to understand this was going on. So they started to protest in uh, like a small way where they were. Um, and then it just started increasing because the government wouldn't budge there was no discussion to be had there was no there was no um kind of movement on the government's uh, side that uh, okay we're listening to you maybe we can switch this around a bit and whatnot so that's when in by the end of november the protests got a lot bigger and a lot more unified um and by december you know you had um, millions of protesters out on the streets and the major protest was happening on the outskirts of the capital city of Delhi where farmers peacefully were camped out um, on streets blocking pretty much blocking the entrances to Delhi in like uh, as their way to show how agitated uh, um, and how uncomfortable they were with the bills. Um, during this time, in no way whatsoever, the farmers were being violent. They were being completely peaceful. They were being completely respectful of the citizens and of the police as well. So we're having like a lot of news now because at a point the protest got a bit violent, <clears throat> but before that, nobody was hearing about it. Okay. Which, yeah, we're going to talk about that too. One of the things is right off the bat, um, when I just kind of started doing just my light research before we did this episode, um, the first thing that I drew a parallel to was the Martin Luther King Poor People's Campaign. And even um, some of, you know, the uh, undocumented workers here in the U.S. Um, and the, like the farming communities here in, in, uh, in the U.S. as well. And I'm wondering uh, if you think that that is an accurate comparison or, you know, based on what you know about. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I know enough about that to mm -hmm. have an opinion, to be honest. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you did want to kind of label it, it is, I guess, you know, a fight of the, you know, underdog against the big names like uh, that is that is how you can put it um i think the farmers are definitely trying to ensure that you know their livelihoods are secure that uh, they can continue to they can continue to live with dignity and respect and uh, i think you know definitely there's been a lot of scandals a lot of controversy with the with farming and uh, also other industries as well in India, especially because you know a lot of things have been privatized, and there's been you know these kind of false promises that uh, it's going to be for the betterment. But uh, like I said before, India is not a country that has a good enough infrastructure 
to implement these policies in a way that works for everybody. It ends up just being that, you know, the big corporates will walk all, all over the small people. And, uh, you know, the losers in all of this are the, you know, really small informal workers that work from day to day living on a cash economy that, uh, you know, they don't, they barely even know how to read or write, let alone, uh, you know, work their way around like corporate contracts. Mm. Like that's, that's not going to work. So yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I don't know much about the people's movement. So if it's, yeah, something to do with that, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, the parallel is probably right. The, based on even that, you you know, this could easily turn into a political conversation, right? This can easily turn into, um, yes, um, right, to like uh, what, how, how we choose to enact certain policies, so on and so forth. Um, but what about the people? You know, what about this makes this a human and civil rights issue to you specifically? Um, so for me, yes, as you as you can say, it can be political. And uh, from my experience of living in India recently as a young adult, um, you know, definitely I see why the farmers are protesting and I stand with them on the protest because like I said, India does not have the infrastructure to implement such policies. I believe that personally. Um, others, what, what do you mean by they don't have the infrastructure? Um, they don't have enough of transparency and accountability to implement such, uh, yes, implement such policies where, you know, you require that contracts are honored, where you know that everybody is given the correct amount of information. Um, it's a very unbalanced uh, relationship because, like I said, majority of the people that work on farms or are farmers themselves, they are not educated enough in to be able to handle relationships with corporates. Mm -hmm. They, you know, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them have primary education, if that. And uh, like I said, a lot of them, especially the farm laborers, may have not even attended school at any point in their life. So they don't know how to deal with all of this. And uh, it just opens up a lot of ways for big corporates to exploit them. I see. Um, <clears throat> so that is that is the you know side of the story where you're like, okay, yes, modernization of the system is something that needs to happen, but also it can't just happen overnight. It can't just happen because one small elite group says that's going to be good for the country, because uh, India is a country of uh, you know a, there's like a billion people. <laughs> So you can't just say that, oh, but it, you know, this is what we think is good because this is what we've learned through our industry and our corporate culture. But, you know, that's only like maybe 1% of the population, not even that maybe. Um, yeah, so yeah, they don't have the infrastructure. Simply okay. like they don't. Um, and I think that, you know, right now, more than, more than about, so like the bills issue aside, 
the political yeah. issue aside, the major human rights issue right now is the fact that the government has uh, just chosen really violent means to address the protests. Mm -hmm. um, they they have a lot of uh, police brutality going on. They have a lot of oppression going on. They are, you know, blocking communication methods. They're blocking internet access to the farmers in the areas that they are in. Um, that is the human rights issue. So right now it's not even about what you think about the bills, about the policies. It's just if the farmers want to protest, they have every right to protest. and. Like I've said, they've been peacefully protesting for the past two months. Um, they have never been the cause of any violence. Um, the violence that erupted on the 26th of January was a massive miscommunication and agitation that was caused by, you know, external factors. Mm. Um, and uh, the way that it's being reported as well is really um, biased because pretty much uh, the media in India itself isn't correctly reporting the protests. They are biased against the pro uh, protesters. They are biased against the farmers. Um, and so the kind of reporting that is happening as well is uh, not helping the cause. So yeah it's just it's a human rights issue because uh, these farmers have a constitutional right to protest india still is i mean it's a loose meaning of the word a democracy <laughs> um, and you know they have signed un conventions about these human rights so really they need to adhere to that they need to honor those conventions they can't just be like well we want to pass these policies and these farmers are making it hard for us so we're just going to do whatever it takes to shut them down so and i kind of want to talk about well not kind of i definitely want to talk about that and i before I do, I want to talk about the media issue, you know, here in the US, I know you, you know, as much as um, I also tell you, but you follow things um, here and you know, the summer of 2020 was filled with a lot of protests. I know that the world uh, was watching everything that happened and, and I saw enough uh, media from various places to know that the world saw the protests that were happening with the deaths of, of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Um, but one of the things I will say as well, and is undeniable as well, is the, the coverage of the protests uh, varied widely. And in some places, it wasn't called a protest, it was called a riot, even if people were being um, uh, peaceful or if people were peacefully, for example, a, a blockade or, or um, you know, stopping traffic somewhere, uh, it was it was still called something that was not a protest that was viewed as unpatriotic or something like that. And uh, my question to you about the media coverage specifically, and I don't know if you, I guess the first clarification is, are you meaning media coverage in India, are you meaning media coverage of India is biased? I guess that's the first question. Um, I mean, in so within India itself, 
the media has been very quiet about the issue. And if they have talked about it, they have talked about it in a very prejudiced manner. So the news that you're getting from Indian media outlets is, you know, that, uh, yeah, like you said, how, you know, the BLM protests were labeled as riots. So what the Indian media is doing, or, you know, the major Indian media anyways, what they're doing is that they're trying to turn the protests, which are led by farmers from across the country, they're trying to label it as a religious movement of the Sikhs. So, and they're trying to make it super negative by calling it like a separatist movement, because the Sikhs are kind of an easy target for them as well. So my family is Sikh. So I, my family is from Punjab. And this is why it's such a personal issue. Um, Sikhs are, so they're known for, you know, fighting against injustice. They're known to be loud about it. And uh, also because of uh, a movement that happened in the early 90s, um, so there's like so much to this. <laughs> um, so pretty much a movement in the early 90s uh, called Khalistan was uh, by these extremists in Punjab that wanted a separate country for Sikhs. And this is a minority, like this is, this isn't a majority of Sikhs, mind you, you know, so this was just a movement by a small number of people. And uh, so what the Indian media now is doing is call, they're pretty much changing the narrative of the farmers protest and making it out that this movement is solely by these Sikhs that are wanting to separate the country that are trying to make it into a religious movement. And it's not actually about the farmers at all. So yeah, so that's why the media isn't doing a great job. And uh, that's why there's been a lot of kind of, you know, there's been a lot of agitation within the population of India as well, well, because uh, like, you know, when you're being fed this kind of narrative that, uh, oh, well, actually these people are just rioters, these people are just terrorists, extremists, then the common person that isn't really that involved or doesn't really know where to look to to get an unbiased opinion, well, they just think that, well, these people are causing trouble and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on as well. So it's turned and so it's not, wow, this, all of these layers, I'm, it's- So many layers. <laughs> geez, what is this, an onion? Like, okay, so, <laughs> so we have, the 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 overall political issue we have the issue of big corporations versus you know the actual workers um, and laborers we then have a second level of once those laborers begin to participate in democracy in a way that is legal um, or or recognized as legal or said to be legal um, is deemed it's deemed as something negative. And then you have the additional kind of racialization yeah. of, and, and I don't know if it would be racialization or is it 
um, yeah, a religion point of view. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, is that even yeah, not? Yeah, like, those, I mean, are two, those are also two different. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think racialization because we're all still Indian. Yeah. Um, but the problem, I think, becomes in the fact that uh, um, India has so many different ethnicities in itself. It's yeah. practically a continent, you know, and uh, so pretty much what yeah I just think that the media and the government are just trying to turn the protests into such a negative thing and you know to pick up pick it apart pretty much and uh, trying to divide it so that it uh, you know it, it can just not make it legitimate that uh, it's just like okay well these you know, these protests aren't actually about what the issue at hand is, it's about something else. And I like, it's just, it's become really hard to focus on one thing because everybody is focusing on the Sikh protesters and, you know, Punjab is a state where a lot of farming happens. And that is why there's so many Sikh protesters. So it just becomes, um, they've just become the face of it, which is they've become the face of it exactly, and uh, you know that was just kind of by default. That's not because they're a lot more passionate about it than farmers from the south of India. It's just because that uh, you know Punjab, for one thing, Punjab is right next to Delhi, so mm. for them to go from their state to the outskirts of Delhi and protest is a lot more easier. Yeah. Um, and also because, you know, they were able to do it in big, big groups because, uh, like I said, it's a, a major occupation for the people in Punjab. You know, we're a farming state. That's just that's just what it is. So for the government and the media to then focus on the fact that these are just Sikhs that are protesting and they're doing it because they want their own separate nation and because they're just extremists again it's just trying to make it negative it's just trying to change the narrative and pull the focus away do you think there is reliable uh media in india that's covering this or is it just so far <sighs> i think I there is. Only be okay go ahead yeah i think there is it's hard to find but i think uh, um really small grassroots efforts are taking place but also it's really difficult at the moment for journalists over there as well to cover what is happening because we've and again this is coming back to the human rights issue because uh, journalists and activists are being detained by the police illegally they are being taken away they are being jailed um, for speaking out and uh, you know we have actual names of people that this has happened to so it's not just a rumor it's not just something that the protesters are making up so this is actually happening and again this this is why this issue is so important because pretty much the level of oppression is horrifying mm -hmm. I want you to tell the people where they can find you and possibly be educated by you on these things um, and also where they can find your work. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, I have two Instagram accounts. Um, I share a lot about the farmers protest on my personal account, which is at Calcida. 
K-A-L-S-I-T-A. And uh, I have a business account for my small brand, which is at Mandish, M-A-N-D-Y-S-H, where I share a lot about uh, transparency and accountability in the fashion industry. So it kind of does relate a lot back to farming as well, but uh, I try to keep that a bit (laughs) non-political. But uh, generally, if you want to learn a bit more about what's going on, um, there are a lot of great accounts on Instagram that are sharing a lot of good information, like uh, at SICK Expo. So that's uh, S-I-K-H-E-X-P-O. They are sharing a lot of information that is being uh, um, omitted by the general media as well. So you can go learn a bit more there. Awesome. Also, you want to drop that uh, website? (laughs) Uh, Yes, my website is www.mandish.com. You can buy lovely jewels after you have learned about um, the transparency needs in the fashion industry. You can also bling yourself out. And if you're watching on Patreon, you can see I'm wearing some of my lovely Mandish jewelry. She is. (laughs) My jewelry gets worn quite often, actually. I have quite a few. So, <laughs> Janelle is my number one supporter. And she's I love saying that because she's on the show, but <laughs> <laughs> I love you, girl. Um, thanks so much for coming and educating me and the rest of us. I greatly appreciate it. Um, for everybody else, don't be afraid to tell your story. We'll see you the next show. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Jack here. I just wanted to thank you for listening to our first On Air With of 2021. Wow. Here we are. Gearing up for good old 2021. Well, you know what? The best way to gear up is by following us on all of the social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Echoes Media One. You can find us on Facebook at Echoes On Air. And guess what? We have a Patreon. That's right. You should uh, head on over and check it out. It's Echoes Media. Uh, if you find it in your heart to give us some money, we can start making this bigger and better and. Oh boy, yeah, that would that would go a long way. Um, also, as always, visit www.echoesofthestruggle.com for uh, everything. Um, Janelle, have you noticed that I lost all the drops that we recorded last year? I'll uh, I gotta I'll find it around here somewhere and then we'll have it proper for the next episodes until next time uh thank you for listening